0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. Well, I have a word that I felt from God to speak today. The title of my message is called Unexpected Real Life. Oh Unexpected Real Life. I like to talk about the things that really happen and what we can do with the things that we are presented with in life. Because I have found that in life, our life has taken twists and turns. Uh, we go through things that we never would have expected. And in that journey, there typically is all kinds of fun and great and mountaintops, but then there's all kinds of traumas, pains, hurts, things that we never, ever would have thought we would have gone through. Because nobody has a Willy Wonka golden ticket that says no pain just going to pass through life. Here's my ticket. That doesn't happen. We don't choose these excursions of pain. It's not like we sit out one day and be like, you know what? I'm going to get involved in some really bad stuff. You're like, no one wakes up and thinks that. But we go through stuff. Stuff happens to us. We happen to things or people. Things happen in life that are unexpected, real life. But I believe today, I want to share today some lessons that I have learned through those experiences where we can get from point A to point B with the future, the promises that God has intended for our lives. And I was thinking about this whole idea of unexpected. And when I was um, a kid, Uh, You know how you trial, like, all these things, like, I'm going to play soccer, and then I'm going to do softball as a girl. Um, And then I'm going to do, you know, and then all of us have all the different things. And so I went through those phases and stumbled upon gymnastics. And when I was, like, seven, eight, nine, I loved gymnastics. And my favorite was, like, the uneven bars. It was just so fun. It was so adventurous. I loved it. But also in doing gymnastics, you had to do all of the different activities. So they wouldn't just let me hang. That's that's really funny, actually, because I hang on the uneven bars. Anyways, okay, this is how my mind works. We're working it out together, yeah. Anyways, they wouldn't let me just do that, you know. So we had um, the balance beam. And on the balance beam, you would have to get from point A to point B, and you would learn how to balance doing things like cartwheels and roundoffs and all these things on the balance beam. And um, I remember one day uh, for training, they said, okay, before we go up on the balance beam, we're just going to work it out on the floor, and we're going to have you practice your jumps, and we're going to have you practice your cartwheels and all this on the floor. And me being have... a little bit of adventure in me. The coach kind of tells us what we're going to do. And so I just bam. I'm like, okay, let's do this. And so I go for it, not realizing that my coach had come alongside of me to spot me in these cartwheels and round offs. And I went flying in the air and did this round off. And my leg just veered off ever so slightly and smashed her in the face, like literally kicked her in the eyeball. And her contact goes flying out. like. It is like a scene out of a movie. Like, everything is like havoc. Cause I, and I finish there, and I'm like, what, what just happened? And I feel like that's life sometimes. I feel like that's real life. Like, we're just trying to get from point A to point B, and then round off, kick to the face. Real life happens. And we're not presented, most of us, you know, if we think about our lives, like God has given us dreams, a promise, a future, but somewhere in the middle, the unexpected happens. And I believe that what happens in the middle is so important to the destination God is trying to bring us to. And, um, for me, you know, when I think about it, most of us were born into dysfunction, right? Dysfunctional families. We are born into a, a sinful world. Um, thank you, Adam and Eve. Wow. I would have liked to have been born in paradise, and they had to sin. Anyways, and so one day I want to know all the reasons why. But anyway, they—they, you know, we we are born into a sinful world. The Bible says, "For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God." So we're born into dysfunction at some layer, some measure. Now, if we haven't perchance missed, you know, being born into dysfunction, then somewhere along the the way, we are presented with it. And there is trauma. There are pains. There are hurts. There's real life things that happen to us. And I want to share today. Not how we can necessarily prevent these things from happening, but what do we do when we are presented with them or when it has happened? Not some far off, maybe, but this has actually happened in my life. How do I move through it to get to the God dream, to get to the promise and to the future that God has given me? Are you with me? So I'm gonna share a few lessons from my own life um, that I've learned along the way. There are a lot of things that could help us on the journey, but I'm just sharing with us a few things that have helped me. So the first one is this, don't stop living your life waiting for your why to be answered, Let me say that again. Don't stop living your life, waiting for your why to be answered. How many of us, when something happens to us, we naturally, our first go to is why? Why God? Why did this happen? How could this happen? Why me? Why them? Why this? Because remember, we didn't pick the excursion. We were presented with it. And that question of why is very real. And I don't discount, I love coming to God with the questions. I think we should. Anything that disturbs us, disturbs God, like we can ask the question. And God in his infinite knowledge and, and understanding may share a facet or may share part of the story. But I don't know about you, but in my Christian walk, I have yet to have God sit me down and say, okay, Stacy, let me explain to you every single detail. That would be like the perfect marriage, right? Or the relationship. <laughs> let me just tell you every little thing and I'm going to walk you through it. And then we're going to, like the doesn't happen we have fragments we have parts of the story and God is the same way I found he doesn't sit and tell us even though he knows the end from the beginning he doesn't share with us the entire story when you look at the Bible and all the stories of the Bible they're so amazing to me because I'm like they didn't know the end of their story Job did not know when he went through hell and back that he would actually get back, that he would live a life restored. We're reading about and going, that's extraordinary. That's so amazing what he did. But now I'm like, that's so extraordinary. That's so amazing. He didn't know and God didn't tell him all of the detail along the way. And I found this, that sometimes we can get so lost in the why that it literally stunts us or paralyzes us to actually move forward into the future that God actually has for us. The why should have an expiration date regardless of what God decides to share or not share with us. He is God. And to help us with this concept, let me let me share some verses that comforted me and made me understand, oh, wow, it's okay that I may never know the full why on this side of eternity. Let me share with you the verses. John 13, 7 in the Amplified. Jesus replied to him, you do not realize now what I am doing, but you will fully understand it later. How many people are like, I don't get this. I don't understand why. And God's like, that's okay. Later, one day you will. Even further, it breaks it down in 1 Corinthians 13, 9 through 12, Amplified. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, for our knowledge is fragmented and incomplete. But when that which is complete and perfect comes, that which is incomplete and partial will pass away. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, when I did away with childish things, I, when I did away with childish things, for now, in this time of imperfection, we see in a mirror dimly a blurred reflection, a riddle, an enigma. But then, when this time of perfection comes, we will see reality face to face. Now I know in part just in fragments, but then I will know fully just as I have been fully known by God." what an amazing passage of scripture. God is relating to us saying, yeah, you don't know all the pieces of the puzzle. When you look, and if you even think about just like it says, like a mirror and you look in the mirror, I mean, in the morning and there's like spots all over the mirror and you haven't touched it with Windex in a really long time. It's super blurry and you can't see clearly. That's what God says. It's life walking through planet earth. You, you think it's all clear, but you're walking through dimly. You do not have, we are not privy to the entire picture. God knows the beginning to the end and the end from the beginning and God in heaven, if he chooses and when he chooses, when we get to heaven, he's going to take out that big old bottle of Windex and it's going to be real clear (gasps) and we're going to be astonished and amazed and go, I didn't realize how that went to that and this to this and how, and I didn't realize I didn't know because we're not God. God. God knows and God is relating to our, our understanding, our pain going, Hey, this side of eternity, you may not understand fully. You may not know the full why one day you will, but right now start living. Don't get stuck in the why I've had to release the why so many times in my life. I just gotten to the point where I'm like, I don't fully understand. So I release it to you. I don't fully understand. I don't get it. And, and I want to talk about this because this is where I feel Christians sometimes will walk away from faith or Jesus. It's happened many times because we, I get the question all the time and I've had it a lot. Why when I pray for this person, they get healed? Why when I pray for that person, they don't? I had equal measures of faith. I don't understand. That's real life. God tells us to believe in faith for healing. Absolutely. We should go for it. I want to stand before any person I am presented with and pray with all of my heart and believe with all of the faith that I have in me. But if they get healed this side of eternity or not, that is not up to me. I am not God. I cannot control the outcome. But I can do what the Bible says. I'll pray equally. And then regardless of, of what happens, I'll know one day when I get to heaven, I'm going to know why. I'm going to understand why. But right now on earth, I'm just going to fully believe. Right now, I'm going to fully have faith right now. We do this all the time. If you think about dating or relationships and you like pray to God, like, God, if this is not the person for me, then just take him out of my life. And poof, he's gone. And then you're like, wait a minute. I didn't really we mean so many of us want to lean to controlling the outcome. Wow. Our human nature is to control to manipulate and God is like, no 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 sweetheart. You are not God. When you pray and we release these things to God, then he, in his infinite knowledge and grace that we do not fully understand yet, will make those decisions. And we have to choose to believe or have faith anyway. Charles Spurgeon said this, if we cannot believe God when circumstances seem against us, we do not believe in him at all. Let me repeat that. If we cannot believe God when circumstances seem to be against us, we don't believe in him at all. What kind of God are we believing in if only it's lollipops, candy, and yeses? And that's why that verse says, when I was a child, I believed like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, when reality hit, when life happened to my life, then I don't just stop and say, why God? I'll move forward. Why should have an expiration date on it? Let God share, let God reveal, and then we begin to live our lives in accordance with the principles of God. Does that make sense? Okay. Point number two, choose to process with God. Choose to process with God. God is so wonderful. He has compassion. He loves us. He's close to us. He doesn't deter from the question. He will bring us, bring us in. And the Bible says this in Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Psalm 34.18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Jesus himself was crushed. He can relate to our pain. He understands us. He knows Knows us. He will come in if we invite him and he will comfort us and he will minister to us. He, he, he will reveal himself to us so we can receive of God. He's actually not afraid of our mess. He's not afraid of our struggle for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He wants us to invite him in. And when I think about this, I kind of think about David. And David in the Bible, he's courageous, he's bold, he, you know, it's amazing. He takes down Goliath, stack, you know, everything's against him, he comes out winning. But that's not all of his story. You begin to read in the Psalms and David is like one end of the the spectrum to the other. It's like crying out to God, then mad at God, then receiving of God, then he's up and he's down. I love this about David because he relates to real life. God isn't asking us to wait till we have it all together to come to him. In fact, that's the opposite. He is like, come to me in the dysfunction. Come to me in the mess. Come to me when you've made a mistake. And I think about David and I'm like, he has no form of perfection. And, And the Bible says of David that he was a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. I'm like, that sounds amazing. You'd think that he just walked on rainbows and clouds and did everything right. You'd think he's some specimen of perfection. And yet, this is the David who in his lifetime did a lot of great things, but then he went on to have an affair with a married woman. She gets pregnant, and then he has her husband killed on the battle lines. How how does that, a man after my own heart total sin. And like a version of Jerry Springer show for a moment. But God's word is true. He is a man after God's own heart because the thing about David is regardless of the mess that he was in, what he is is found by God. You always find him with God. He's always processing with God. When he messes up, he runs to God in our mess, let's not run from God. Let's run to Him. Let's be like Dave. That when when we make a mistake, when we mess, and this is not a license to sin. Don't go out having affairs. Don't go. I'm not giving you license for that thing. But what I'm saying is, when it happens, when we've messed up, when it's gone the wrong way, when we thought, "Oh my goodness, how did I even wind up here?" We run to God, not from Him. The Bible says in Psalm one hundred thirty nine, twenty three through twenty four. David says this, search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any wicked or hurtful way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. In other words, search me, show me, and lead me to you. Lead me to a way that's better than today. And even better than that, I began to research about that word, search me, O God, because if I were David, I'd be like search, no, don't search me. Actually, maybe don't search me at all. Cause you're going to find some serious messed up stuff in my heart. How many of us, we go before God in prayer. And we're, we don't really want to pray that prayer. Yes. Search me. Oh God, search me thoroughly. No, any wicked way. I'm like, please don't tell me things that are that bad. <laughs> like I, well, this, there's a lot of wickedness like in our hearts. Like, no God, but David's so bold. Search me. Oh God. Yeah why? And I started doing some research. The Hebrew word search is the word often used to describe the way that miners search deeply for gold. When David said, search me, O God, find any wicked way among me. What he is saying is, God, search me and find on the inside of me, beyond the mess, beyond the dirt, beyond the filth, beyond the things of what I've done, find the gold in me. Remind me of what you designed in me. Remind of the gifts and the anointing and the person that I am remind me of who I am and you find the gold beyond what has happened find the gold and how good of God What, what God is the best miner of gold because he's the one that placed it in our hearts in the first place he's the one that can look beyond the rubble and the mess and go and yet I see gold because I put gold in you he created us he designed us and he will discover the gold within us. So now, I don't not go to God. I don't shrink back in my struggle, in my pain, in my mess. Now I'm like, yeah, like David, search me, oh God. Find, Remind me of who you designed me to be so that I can step outside of myself, so that I can walk out the doors of my house, so I can step out of the prison gates, so I can do all of those things because God... You've designed me perfectly. You have intent, promises, a beautiful future and life for me. Can I encourage us today to process with God? He will remind us of the beautiful, the object of his his affection is us. He'll remind us of who we really are and who we really are are people that are made in the image and the likeness of God. He will find the gold. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay, point number three. Okay, this one's a little dicey, so can everybody take a deep breath? And don't worry, I've practiced on myself, so this is coming from a really, um, you know, from, from my own heart, from having dealt with things myself. Um, but point number three is choose power over self-pity. I'm going to be real real because it's the title of my message, you know, real life. Um, And and I think we have to get to a point in our lives where we get beyond self-pity, they're there, to power. And I'm going to explain this. Uh, We're going to look at the book of John, and it's chapter 5. And I'm going to read the, the full story and then just share some truths out of it. It says in John 5, 1 through 15, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethsaida with five covered porches, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? What a question. He's lying there for, for, for years. And yet God says, would you like to get well? We'll come back to that. I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone always else gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected and they said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Side note to the story, because it's an entirely different message, is when we experience the power of the living God and the naysayers come out and say, well, what about this? How come your church talks?" About money, and you just got healed from having paralyzed legs. They don't know how to look beyond their questions to the fruit of people's lives, and they try to pick apart what they don't understand. Do not let the Pharisees of today take you out when you've been healed. That's a whole nother message. Okay, let's, let's get there. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. And then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. Okay, what an amazing passage of scripture. What I love about Jesus is this. There is a man at a pool. He is at the feet of what could possibly be his own healing. The power of God is within just right there. How many of us have been there? It's like the power of God's right there. And yet I believe with this man that not only was he lame, the Bible says, but I feel like this man at some point lost hope. At some point, the Bible says he's been there for years, 38 years sick. He's lying there and he has given up. And what happens when he gives up? Jesus comes walking to the man. There are opportunities in our life where we have given up in certain areas of our life, where we feel like we have lost hope. And those are the very times that Jesus himself will present himself to us and give us an opportunity, not for their, their self-pity, but for power to be healed. And what causes this? I began to really think about what, what, what made the difference. Why did God say to the man, do you want to be healed? Clearly. He's sick all of those years. And yet he asked him the question because he needs the man to locate himself. He needs the man to realize, no, no, I do want to be healed because I've been depressed. I've been in darkness. I've been so sad. I couldn't see my way out. God had to get him to see. And so he asked him the question, do you want to be healed? And the Bible says that he starts to say, you know, and he gives the excuses on why he couldn't. And I love that Jesus just bypasses that question. He bypasses the pity. He bypasses all of those things. Now, it's real. There's real pain. But I love God because he's not moved by pity. He's moved by compassion. And compassion leads to an action. And so God, he asks him the question to locate himself. And then he gives him an action. Stand up get outside of your thinking and stand up here's the difference between self-pity and compassion self-pity is excessive self-absorbed unhappiness over one's own troubles wallow in sadness self-pity says i'm sad be sad with me i've lost hope be hopeless with me Compassion is very different. Compassion says the feeling that arises when you are confronted with another's suffering and feel motivated to relieve that suffering causes one to move to action. In our church, in Awakened Church, you will not find our leaders and our pastors pitying people. We have compassion on them. We will relate to your pain. We understand what that is like to a level. But we will never caress you in a sadness. We will never caress a demon voice and say they're there. They're there demon. You just stay there. And, and I say demon because there's deep demonic thoughts. There are lies from the devil telling us be sad, be depressed, lose hope. That stuff comes from the, the pit of hell. And pity wants to help you with that. Pity wants to say yeah, just wallow in it. Come forward and just have somebody stroke you and tell you that the sadness is so so real. But here we won't just tell you the sadness is real. We will help you to receive power, to see healing, to change. I don't want to stroke a demon. I don't want to touch a demon. I don't want to caress a demon. I want to see you and I healed. Compassion will move us to action. And so God in his compassion says to the man, listen, I know it's been a long time and you've been given up but you can be healed in every way. And why do I say he can be healed in every way? Because not only on that day, when that man decided to step up and out of his 38 years of sickness, that power comes into his body and he is instantaneously healed amazing. And then I find it fascinating because in the story, Jesus, it says, disappears. And then he goes to the church and finds the man. And I love this. I'm like, that's so fascinating. Why doesn't Jesus just disappear and move on to the next? But he finds the man and he says, look at you, you're well. And then he tells the man, stop sinning. Cause that'll hurt you even worse. I love God. Like he cuts to the chase. Yeah. We think like, Oh, communication courses and all this. And we have to say it in such a way. Jesus is like, I will tell you as it is plain and clear. And I love that about God, because what God was saying was, I don't want you just physically healed. I don't want that you stood by a pool and you got healed because what got you there can still take you out if you don't get your sin life well. So he gave him the ingredients. The power came, the Holy Ghost came, the miracle happened, but if we don't change our stinking thinking, we'll wind up back where we started. We got to follow the action plan of God. We got to make some shifts and some changes in our internal life that our external life would be changed. And God wanted that man healed in every way, body, soul, and spirit. And when people come forward, I can often tell when, when, when I pray with people and I talk with people, and I've been in the same position myself, so this is no judgment. There are times in our life where we're like, please, just... Just, and look, it's a, compassion is okay. Compassion will still hold you. Simpa- compassion will still put an arm around you. But compassion will not leave you there. And compassion will be confronting. So when you come to a leader and you ask for prayer, and they give you not just a prayer, but the ingredients to be healthy and whole, it's both. Um, because they actually want to see change in one's life. And I can tell when people come forward and they only want self-pity, they don't want to hear about the change. They don't want to do what you say. They'll keep coming forward for prayer a hundred times over because there's not actual shift or change in their life. It's self-pity. It's woe is me. Here am I. I don't want to make a shift and change. But I can tell the very different. When other people, and they're like, tell me anything. Whatever you say, whatever we discover in the Bible, whatever God, I will do that because I want to be healed. I want to be changed. You can see it in a person's eye and in their heart that that shift has happened where they've caught it, that they could receive power to be changed. Can we choose power over self-pity this morning? Okay, well, I think I hit that point. We're going to move on to the next. (laughs) Healing action. Um, My last point is this, point number four. Choose hope over heartache. Choose hope over heartache. This is what the Bible says in Romans 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Notice the words, hope deferred. Not the promise, not the situation, not the person. It's hope. What that lame man needed was just a little bit of hope. And God can work with a little bit of hope. Hope. And the Bible says, hope deferred. If there's no hope at all, then there's no way to the power. But if we can hope just a little bit, then the Bible says that longing, that fulfilling, it can come about. It can come to pass. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. If our our heart has grown sick, if our heart is weary, if the pain has been so great that we've lost the dream could we this morning not even ask God to rejuvenate the old dream, but give us a new one. Maybe life needs to look totally different. Maybe life needs a whole new dream to it. God can work with that. Abraham and Sarah. I I love Abraham and Sarah in the Bible. What a life they led. The Bible promised that Abraham and Sarah, promised of Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. And yet for years and years and years and years and years and years, they did not have a child. Past the point of being even able physically to have a child. And yet an angel visits. And they have all these encounters. God himself promises And Abraham and Sarah are left with everything in front of them looks like death. It looks like the death of a dream. It looks like they'll never have the the child that they were promised. Physically, it's not even humanly possible. It's what I love about God. When it's not humanly possible, it is definitely God possible. That is the ingredients of a miracle. It's the definition of a miracle. A miracle is I can't do it myself. So I'll surrender to God and believe him for the miraculous. Believe him for the promise. Believe him. And this is what the Bible says of Sarah and Abraham. Sarah in eleven eleven, it says, by faith, even Sarah. And I believe it's that even Sarah, because we read her story and see disbelief. We see laughing. And he's like, God's not afraid of that. Like, he is not afraid of our imperfections. He will still give us faith to believe. And it says, Hebrews 11, 11, And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise she did not consider the circumstance what she could see in front of her what she could even know in her own body she considered God himself faithful to his word and in that the miraculous happened Abraham Romans four eighteen, against all hope not a little bit of hope not some hope against all hope Abraham in hope believed how is that possible I lost all my hope. So when we lose all our hope, then we got to believe in hope itself. Can I tell you who hope is? It's a person. Hope is Jesus himself. Hope. Is not everything? Hope is Jesus Himself. It's part of the facet and the character of who Jesus is. So when we have lost any kind of hope that we have in our particular situation, then we can do like Abraham and believe in hope itself. And it says Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Think about today. You'll hear many preachers come up and preach, and they'll say Abraham, you know, and then list all of the sons down to us it's it's extraordinary he's the father of many nations he's regarded as the father of many nations it says Romans in, in Romans four eighteen. even when there was no reason for hope Abraham Abraham kept hoping believing that he would become the father of many nations For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. What is God saying to us? Not what the world has said, not what the world has not said. Some of us may have grown up in homes where it wasn't very good, where there were word curses, not word blessings. Some people may have grown up being told by all kinds of people that they would be nothing and not good enough. Some people, it's funny, even human nature, I was uh, chatting with Daniel about this earlier, is like, I remember even for me, I, I, I grew up in a beautiful and a wonderful Christian home, but somewhere along the lines, I just thought, if you do things right, you get the result you want. That's not true. It was mind-blowing to me. I'm like, God, I did these things. I did things right. Why don't I have the result I want? Now, I had good fruit, but it didn't look the way I wanted. And God's like, no, 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 no. Rightness and perfection is not, that's not the ingredients of a miracle. It's believing in God regardless. It's doing things right and doing things wrong that get us to, to the result when we have faith in the living God, when we believe him at his word. And in my own life, I've had to come to the end of things. I've done everything, everything that I know possible in me, and yet I wasn't seeing what I wanted. So I had to come to the place of surrender. I don't get it. I don't understand. I'm going to have a lot of questions when I get to heaven. But right now, I do believe in you, God. My hope will still hope in you because you are hope. And it says in Romans fifteen thirteen, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love this because what God is saying, he's saying when you've lost all hope and you believe in hope and self, you don't have to muster it up. You don't need to try harder. You don't need to spin yourself. place of surrender. God, I don't get it. I don't understand, but you are real and you are true to your word and your promises are faithful. Oh God. So I, when I look out at my life and my circumstances and the roundoff kicks to the face, I will believe in hope itself because Jesus Christ, you are hope and you sent me the Holy Spirit so that I don't have to do this life on my own, but I get to receive from a source that is not natural. It is supernatural. It is the power of the living God. I don't want us like the lame man to be sitting next to the pool of power. I want us to receive the power of God so that we can be healed and saved in every way. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, let's stand to our feet. God is good. He is loving. He is faithful. He is wonderful. And we will not always, our whole lives are not a place of struggle. We will have ups and we will have downs. But when we invite Jesus in, we've got a way to the source of peace himself. And we will celebrate together on the mountaintops. We will celebrate together when that promise has been fulfilled. Get around good people. It's great. It's awesome to process with God. Bring a few people in that know your whole story, not just part of your story. A lot of times in self-pity, we go to 10 people because we just want to hear what we want to hear. Choose to Christian leaders. Christian friends and share the whole story, get a little bit vulnerable, invite some people into the world, into the mess. And then as you're processing with God, you get to work it out with other humans that are on the journey with you. You have found yourself in a church of discipleship. This is a church where people want to not just walk, but run alongside of you. And sometimes we've got to invite those voices in. We've got to join a connect group. We've got to go to emerge and not just watch it, but participate in it. We're going to have an encounter with the living God where we receive the power of God to have the future that he so desires for us. He's a good God. He's got the Bible says good plans for each and every one of us. Plans to prosper us. The Bible says, plans to give us a future. And what does the Bible say? A hope. He gives us a future and a hope. This morning, would you just close your eyes for me? And if you have found yourself in that place, and maybe it's not your whole life, but it's an area of your life where you have lost hope. We're like, "You know what?" It's been difficult, it's been hard, there's been train wrecks that I haven't expected, there's been gymnastics gone wrong. And I lost it. I was there, I get it, it's tough. But could we this morning reopen? that corridor of our heart. Can we open the door to our heart and say, I'm going to let hope come in this morning. If that's you in this place, would you just lift your hand to heaven? I'm going to pray with you. Yeah, that's a lot of us. Just lift your hand to heaven. You've lost hope. And the hope that we find is the hope in Jesus Christ. It's the hope through his Holy Spirit. In fact... For any of you that resonated with this message and you're like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done going to pity. I'm done going to these things. I need the power of the living God to show up in my life. Could you all just come forward, all of you that raised your hands and all of you that felt a facet of hope leave? I believe today, this morning, hope is meant to be restored. And sometimes we got to make a change. Sometimes that's just stepping outside of your seat and taking an action and saying, you know what? I'm going to walk out of the mess. I'm going to walk out of the depression. I'm going to walk out of these things. Could you all just come forward right now and we're going to pray together? There's a whole bunch of... Of you. So, there should be a bunch of us up here on the altar. And it's good. So many of us over and over in our life, and this might not be like I said, it's not your whole life, it's a facet of our lives where we've let some things go. Today is the day of resurrection power, it's the day of dreams restored, it's the day where new dreams are given because that's how good God is to us. Let the old go, let the new come the power of the living god so good want everyone in this building just raise your hands to heaven everyone just raise your hands raising our hands is a sign of surrender to god i can't do this on my own so god take the wheel god be the one in my life god that i run to and would everybody just pray this prayer? We're just going to pray for receiving and a renewal of Jesus Christ and the hope restored to us. And some of you here that raised your hand, it might be the first time. So I'm going to lead you through a prayer of salvation because that's where things begin. And then we're going to go on to praying for the hope and the dreams that are coming to us right now and the power of God that will lift us up and out of the things that we have been entangled in, in our own circumstances and in our own way. So can everyone repeat this prayer? I receive. Come on, everyone. I receive. I receive. You, God, who sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins, for my life, for my hopes, for my dreams, for my promises, I receive you, Jesus, and I receive your resurrection power that changes everything, that changes me. And I receive you, Holy Spirit, that empowers me to live out the greatest life I can live on planet Earth. I receive every good gift from heaven above to action out in my life. In your name we pray. Come on, can we give a big amen? Amen. Come on, amen, amen, amen. God is good. to heaven, we're going to pray. We're going to do some business with God because not only are we now saved, but now we're going to receive the power of God that goes way beyond what we can do to what he can do. Best place to be. So raise your hands to heaven. Come on, close your eyes. Begin to picture this Jesus who died for you and set you free. He's real and he's true. He's not ethereal. He's a person. He's the living God. And just like at the pool of Bethsaida, he is coming to you and he is asking you the question, do you want to be healed? What do you want to be healed from? Do you want to be healed? Because he is present right now to heal. I believe right now he's drawing near to the brokenhearted. He's drawing near to the crushed in spirit, to the lost, to the dreams that we once thought and we gave up on. And right now through the power of the living God, Lord, we receive. We receive your power that shifts and changes things. We receive your presence because we receive you. You are Hobo oh God, we put you back in your rightful place as Lord over our lives, as hope. Oh God, I thank you right now and I bind and I break the work of the enemy, the lying voices that have tried to keep us pushed down, keep us in sadness, keep us in depression, keep us in torment and chaos. We speak to you, you devil voice of torment and we say leave right now in the name of Jesus I say shame leave right now in the name of Jesus disappointment that comes from hell itself you leave in the name of Jesus I thank you today for resurrection power the resurrection of dreams the resurrection of hope oh God we see you right now in our lives in our situation in our circumstance we receive your power a life beyond our dreams, our expectation to the God life, to the God promise, to the things that you have given to us. And today, oh God, like David, search our hearts, oh God. Let them be ever new. Search for the gold. God, I thank you that you are bringing gold out of our stories. You're bringing gold out of what was once dysfunction to function. You are bringing gold out of the things that were meant to take us out, but only promoted us because we believe in you. Lord, we thank you that today we receive the crown of heaven. We thank you that today we take our rightful place as sons, And as daughters, that we are not orphans in your kingdom. Lord, we thank you today as sons and daughters. We take our rightful authority and we tell evil to go and we thank you for goodness to come, goodness and mercy. Lord, we receive of you this morning. And I thank you right now that you would remind us of the promises that you have for us, that you would remind us of the dreams and the intent that you have for us. And for those of the the ones that the old, needs to go. I thank you for new dreams, new dreams to come. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you that it comes bubbling over, that we can't be helped, but be filled with joy and peace that surpasses all understanding. Goes beyond the why to who you are, God, and you are good and you are faithful to each and every one of us. So we receive your hope, we receive your faithfulness, we receive your love. In your name we pray. Can I get a big amen? In the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.